2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. I I was just so, so addicted to always having cash, always having tons of people around. And I always had, I always felt like I had to try to prove myself better than the actions that I had done. And I created this big old list with like, I don't know, 190 scriptures or something, right? And I'm just like so jazzed about it. And one day I walked over to my wife and I was like, you've got to watch something. And she's like, what's that? I was like, I'm not a sinner anymore. Yo, welcome to the Death Alive podcast. It's your boy, Big Rich. And today's episode is with... Another person I've never met, but I feel like we're brothers in Christ because we've known each other through uh, through the internet. And this interview is with Mike Nystrom. And if you've been on any of our Bible studies and you've come across Mike, um, you'll just you'll just be blown away by how this man moves in the spirit. But this this story, ooh, this story. There's so much. There's so much in it. Um, I did not know. I didn't know. But now I know. And so this is definitely a buckle up, strap in episode. Uh, so listen to Mike and just just receive the beautiful truth through uh, his story. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Man, this is real talk. God is loving on me. Colorful and innocent, that's on me. Got me standing in the light and it's on me. It's a new So Mike, man. Who, uh, who's old Mike? Tell me about this guy. Where do you, I was, a. Uh, <laughs> obviously you, uh, you showed up to the Bible study a little bit today and you heard us talking to your wife and her story was blowing me away. And I didn't, I didn't know, I had no idea. Um, and she started at a specific place. I'm curious to where you're going to start. Where, where would you say? Old Mike, the story of Old Mike begins. I I would have to say that the story of Old Mike began 
in a in a screwed up childhood. That's that's probably where it began. I uh I grew up in Fort Lauderdale and uh my parents were were big into drugs and stuff and it was just a uh a horrible thing. My grandma would pick me up every weekend and take me to a different church. I mean one one day we were Adventists, the next day we're Baptists, the next time we're something different. And uh the old me the old me understood that there was a God uh-huh. and um following grandma around searching for who God was. I, I'm not quite sure that she ever uh she ever found a church that she ever stuck with. Um still till her last days, which which was just last year, matter of fact, um till her last days she was still changing churches. Um just just seeking. And I tried to share this message um with her about freedom, but um she dementia had set in, mm-hmm. you know, so things were a little tough there. But that's where that's where old Mike started. I uh <clears throat> moved to Northern California when I was um ten, I think. And uh my parents got away from all of that stuff. And then uh at about uh I don't know. I when I first moved here I met my uh best friend and he was his parents went to church every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday. And the only way that I could stay the night at his house on a Saturday night was if I went to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And uh anyway, I, I had listened to several different pastors at that point. And um one day we went to this new church to listen to this guy and this pastor had Tourette's and um it was a, it was a, it was a pretty cool thing. His Tourette's, um, they, they stemmed from a, a, a head bobbing up and down as he spoke and, uh, a, a little bit of pulpit slamming telling us that Jesus was the only way. And, uh, there was, it was there at, uh, 13 that I gave my life to the Lord, just knowing that, okay, I need to do something different. And, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't over a girl or because my buddy was doing it. It was because that day the Holy Spirit impressed upon me that um, I needed God in my life. Hmm. So that that's where old Mike started. Um, and and uh, accepting Jesus didn't didn't really change anything about my day to day walk. Okay, so what what happens? You're 13, 14 years old. What happens? Well. I, I, I'll allude a little bit to my my wife's story because she's a big part of why I am who I am. You know, they say behind every great man is a better woman and uh, or a great woman, yeah. and um, she is she is for sure. But uh, came home from football practice one day, my dad's out in the yard throwing the ball with this cute girl that lives two houses down, and um, we get to get to know each other and uh, end up becoming boyfriend and girlfriend, and then. Um, she ends up pregnant at 14 years old and I was, I was 14 at the time too. And, uh, that was a, that was a difficult part of life. I, uh, I was playing football and, um, I had a baby coming and my dad always had a great work ethic, work ethic. So for me, um, I had to go get a job and I started mowing lawns during the week and, on the weekends, I'd go pound tea posts for the ranchers and put up fences and stuff. And uh, anyway, needless to say, the <laughs> it, 
that that's not an easy situation. And her dad said that I couldn't play with her anymore. And uh, <laughs> I, I think we could all understand why. And uh, that ended up being a court battle in order to be able to see my daughter. So my daughter was actually born the day after my 15th birthday. And uh, there was a custody battle thing. Um, we didn't stay together. We went our separate ways. And then I met another girl. And um, what? Three years later, four years later, I, I don't know exactly how far apart the kids are the second, but um, I ended up having another baby. And uh, I think I was 17 at the time. By the time that happened, I ended up marrying her. <laughs> we had another child. Um, and I was married to her for seven years. And in the meantime, my wife had um got another boyfriend and she ended up having a baby and while we stayed friends the whole time um we we weren't together and i got into um drugs uh drinking every second that i or uh, let me back up i made it to high school through high school left and went to the united states marine corps um there there you learn how to drink very well and uh, I ended up getting hurt in the Marine Corps. And wait, hold I... on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> when you're 14 and you have this pregnancy with this neighbor girl, um, how did that, like, in your mind, were you like, oh, this is wrong? And at what level was it wrong? Was it wrong because oh, we shouldn't have been doing it? Was it wrong on like a religious level? Or was it just like, oops, like what level of of feeling were you, were you feeling towards this? Like, You know, at, at first I was scared because I understood what pregnant was. I, I didn't, believe it or not, at 14, understand how she got pregnant. <laughs> I like, believe it, you. It, I, <laughs> I, I'm just like, what, what do you mean you're pregnant? How is, how is that even possible? And uh, anyway, I, I, I never felt like um, it was wrong, but I definitely felt ashamed and um, quite a bit of ridicule, you know, from all the other kids. Um, obviously, the guys, the guys didn't look at it the same as what the girls did. And uh, it was a it was one of those things that. Um, I realized that it was a not a good thing that I had done something wrong to um, my now wife. I, I had done something wrong to this young girl because I wasn't responsible. And um, her her sister let me know that every day, you know, because they only lived two doors down. They had to walk right by my house and she would just yell this stuff at me saying, you know, I'm going to do this to you. You did this to my little sister. And um, at that point that I feel like I had done something wrong. And then growing up through high school, um, I felt that I had done something wrong there too. And so like you guys are not together when your daughter is born. What, what were your feelings towards that? Like to this baby, what, what did that feel like as, 
15 years old. Like, what is this, a sophomore going into your sophomore year of high school, 15 years old? Right. Yeah. We, it, it, I think I was still a freshman at the time. And uh, the, the day that my daughter was born, um, I was... I was called and I went down to the hospital, but I wasn't allowed to like be in the room or anything like that. And, um, after the baby was born, I got to go in my, my oldest daughter, Erin, I got to go into the room and, and see Julia for the first time while they had the baby out of the room. And, uh, I don't know. It's crazy how God works. Like she just looked at me and like I could tell that she loved me. Hmm. And it, it was it was just one of those things that was incredible. It's like, I don't know, see, seeing a long lost friend or something, you know, it's like when you finally make eyes, you're just like, hey, where have you been for so long? And and that was the feeling there that day. Um, I got to hold got to hold my daughter and um, proceeding that after that, my daughter continuously um, came over. Um, Julia would bring uh, her over. And it was maybe it was one sided. Maybe I had googly eyes towards her and it wasn't my both directions. But I think it was I think it was both directions. I, I think we both felt that there was something my wife and I mm-hmm. all the way back then. And and her dad was not pleased with you at all and was like, you can't come around here anymore. Um, was that like, no, you can't see your daughter anymore? Like, was that like? Yeah, that that's exactly how it was. It got physical for a second with him and I, and, and, and he was a shorter, shorter guy. Um, and basically after that, we never seen each other, him and I. That's when my daughter would would just come down and visit with her mom and and that was it only because we had went to court and I got cust- partial custody. Wow. What did uh, your parents, are they still in this picture? What, what did they think about it? What did they say? Well, my, uh, my dad goes, well, you did it now. And uh, that, that was the extent of, of what he had to say. And he just said, I, I don't care what you ever do wrong. I'm going to be here to support you regardless of what happens. And uh, my mom was like, you got to go get a job, you know, right, right off the bat. That's, that's kind of how that went. But uh, my parents, my parents did support me through every step of um, seeing my young daughter at that point. And so you, you go through high school and, um, did that affect your high school or was that just kind of like a bump in the road? No, it, it, it affected, it affected lots of aspects of high school socially, you know, that, that what people would say about me, um, how I was seen by other people. Um, and I always had, I always felt like I had to try to prove myself better than the actions that I had done. And, uh, you know, from, from, being one of the one of the starters on the on the football team, the the starting middle linebacker to um, to being one of the best in uh, FFA, you know, agriculture stuff. Um, I, I excelled in I excelled in many of those areas. Hmm. So then you go right from high school to the Marine Corps as quick as I could, as quick as I could. I uh, I, I did. Uh, I did football. So 
in in our town where we live here in Northern California, you have to do weight training for summer school if you're going to play football. Uh-huh. And uh, besides the weight training class, you also took two other classes. So when I was 17, um, I had enough credits to graduate. And I told my dad, I said, I, w- I want out of this place. And uh, he said, well, you just let me know what you want to do. So he signed the papers for me. And um, I left, I think, two months before my 18th birthday or something like that. And didn't even graduate high school with everybody. I just I, I got my diploma and I was out and left for the Marine Corps. <clears throat> and so with what you were saying earlier, the Marine Corps taught you a lot of things. And one of the things it taught you was how to hold your liquor and uh... chase women. <laughs> so what was that, yeah. man? What, where were you headed? That that was a that was a bad road that that was a, a really bad road. You know, it, I was stationed at Camp Pendleton down in down in Southern California, and it was across the uh, it, across the border to Tijuana every single weekend. And uh, it was a it was a crazy crazy deal. I had uh, qualified to um, go and do reconnaissance training. And, uh, I ended up, ended up getting hurt. And then they ended up, uh, giving me an honorable discharge out of the, out of the Marine Corps. And then I left, left there and came back up North and spent some time with, uh, my daughter. And at, at that point I had already had two other kids also, um, Spent some time up here, went went into the uh, Iron Workers Union, and started building high rise uh, high rise skyscrapers. Anything over a few hundred feet was something that I just loved to do. And um, I think my wife alluded to this in, in the the earlier Bible study, but uh, I I strive to be the best at doing something. And if I can't be the best, then I just don't do it. I just I just find something else to do. I always feel like uh, felt like I had to be the best at whatever I did, whether it was football or or agriculture or shooting. And when I went into the Marine Corps, I had to be a reconnaissance Marine. Um, that's the equivalent of a Navy SEAL, if you will. And uh, it, it, that was what I was striving to do. And then when I got hurt and and I couldn't be a reconnaissance Marine, um, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm out of here. But uh, anyway, I came back, came back, got into the Iron Workers Union and uh, started making some pretty good, pretty good money mm-hmm. at that point. Um, working seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Um, I got in on a permit, so I was making like 50... I don't know, $56, $57 an hour. And here I am, 20, I think, at this point. And uh anyway, around being all around all the iron workers, everybody's using, you know, using something, but you know, not just alcohol, but they're just kind of wrapped up in lots of different things. And um, I started to get wrapped up into it and said, I can't do this. And came back up here and ended up getting married to why couldn't you do it? But I, I realized I was going down a wrong path, hmm. you know, that that it wasn't a good thing. And it, it, there, it was one of those things where I'm like, I seen my parents do this. Why? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. But it, 
it was so much fun. There, everybody was doing it. Like it wasn't even peer pressure. Nobody was like shoving it down my throat. Mm-hmm. It's like we we would we would leave the job site at, at six o'clock at night and everybody would stay there till like 10, 11. And then we'd get up at, at four in the morning and go back to work the next day. But for me, I was dog tired and everybody else was doing, you know, just fine. So for me, that was a that was a a, a thing that I was just like, well, I'll try a little bit and then realize that I was spending a lot of money, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of money um chasing that thing so that's when i decided that um i had received everything i needed to receive out of the iron workers union i had the i had the skills and i still had a pocket full of money and i walked out of there with 23 welding certifications and i was just uh it, it i was good i was i was done with that southern california stuff so then i moved back up here and I married my first wife, which is the mother of the next two kids. Um, I married her and we both started using um, after after some time of being up here, which led to uh, to lots of bad decisions, <laughs> bad decisions. And uh, I ended up going away for a whole year. Um, it's all stemmed from drugs. and. Uh, Anyway, when that was, when that was over, <laughs> when that was done, I, uh, I, I had completely quit using and, and still till this day, I haven't used since, but, uh, that was a long time ago. When you were, uh, up North, as they say, when you had a lot of time to think, did, you know, that I guess in the movies, like people start reading this or they start like concentrating or on bettering themselves or they take classes in there. Was there something about being there that just kind of woke you up to what was going on or what was that like? Um, I, I realized that I was, I was wasting my life. I, I realized that, uh, while, <laughs> while I was playing in that game for that, that was a year's period, you know, like, like three, maybe three or four years period of time that I was using. And, uh, <clears throat> I think I was more addicted to the, I think I was more addicted to the money side of the thing than I was the drug. And, uh, it was just one of those things that was, I, I was just so, so addicted to always having cash, always having tons of people around. Um, that's really, that's really the part that I was addicted to. And then while I was gone, I was just like, man, there, there is nothing good that came out of this, um, at all, not even a little bit. So I ended up splitting up at that point, um, splitting up with my first wife of seven years and we got divorced and, um, I went back into the ironworkers union at that point because that was the only way I was going to support three kids at that point. And, uh, Went to the Ironworkers Union, was working out of town, kept my nose clean. Um, and then I was coming home on the weekends and staying with my parents and seeing my kids at my parents' house. Uh, just because I didn't need to rent a place if I wasn't living up here. I was always traveling. I would be at, at Atlantic City 
and then be in New York and then be in, you know, San Francisco and Las Vegas doing high rise stuff. And, uh, when I'd come home on the weekends, I'd, I'd visit my kids. Well, my wife was married at the time to her ex-husband and they ended up getting divorced. She moved out and bought a duplex. And, uh, anyway, she, she bought like, I think it was like a, 1889 uh victorian home that was a duplex and uh i had during those younger years uh whenever i wasn't mowing lawns i was helping build houses with a guy that lived across the street from me so i had some skills um to be able to help her so i helped her um fix up the place and she ended up having one side come empty one time and she's like you should rent this place for me then you can be with your daughter i'm like ah, i don't know i don't know so we went i don't know a few weeks like that and then finally she goes well if you do this i'll let you live here which was put in a sprinkler system pour some concrete do some miscellaneous stuff that she needed done so i turned around and uh, did those things i moved my stuff in and then every weekend I was spending with her and my oldest daughter and, and the other two kids. Uh, and then I don't know, we just, that look came back between mm-hmm. us. Um, I, I, I don't know how else to explain that look, but that look came back. And, uh, at this point she's going to church every single Saturday and she's always going, Hey, you should come to church. Hey, you should come to church. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm good. I'm good. And uh one day my daughter said, "Daddy, you got to come to church with us." And I was like, "All right, I'll come to church with you." So, I went over and checked it out. So, when they're inviting you to church, who who is God to you at this point? Um God is God is a being who is keeping me safe on a day-to-day basis. He's somebody that I'm talking to whenever trouble comes. Mm-hmm. And other than that, um, not really much of a relationship. Hmm. Not really much of a relationship. Not not hardly at all. Um, and then remember, I I was mentioning my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, his his mom and dad were like a second mom and dad to me, and they were urging me to come to church, come to church, and they went to church on Sunday. And uh, so I did. I started going with them. We were going to the first church of God here in our hometown. And uh, my wife and I, my wife and I are living at the same house, but in two separate rooms. And I decided that I needed God in my life at this point and that I needed something more than the relationship that we had at that point, God and I. We, uh-huh. I, I needed something more. So I started going to church every single, every single Sunday. And it was one of those things where, um, I was really starting to have that first love experience. Uh-huh. And I, and I couldn't stop telling people about what I had learned and what I was learning. Ended up getting like, 30 people to go to church with me, like just friends um, that I had. I'm like, man, you got to come to church. You got to come to church. You know, I, I, I'm calling them on Saturday night. I'm picking up some of them in the morning. 
um, going to church, going to church. And I'm not going on Saturday though. Anyway, so my daughter, my daughter says, daddy, 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 you got to come to church. You know, I'm getting baptized today. And, uh, I think she's 13 at that point. And she was born in 2000 or in 99. So whatever the math is for that. It, she, she's born in 99 and, and she's like 13 at this time. She's getting baptized. And I'm like, yeah, I'll come check it out. So I go and go and watch this baptism happen. And the pastor of the church, um, said, wait, why aren't you coming to church? You know, on the right day. I was like, what do you mean the right day? And we had some conversation. He, uh, he wrote out a check and put my name on it. And told me, if there's anywhere in the Bible that you can find where the day of worship was changed, you fill in the number <laughs> and I'll sign the check. And he gave me the check. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll find that. So I went back to my Sunday um, church pastor, who was a, a, a friend of mine. And he's like, oh, yeah, you can tell him just fill your name into that check and, and you know, tell him write a hundred grand or something, something ridiculous. And him and I studied and studied and studied. And about three months into it, I was just like, man, are we ever going to find it? He's like, yeah, it's here somewhere where the days changed, you know? I'm like, okay. So <laughs> we never found it, right? Spoiler alert. And we, <laughs> Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> we, we, we never find it. Like three months into looking for it, I decided that. It, now, mind you, I'm searching every Sabbath scripture there is at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh, I decided, well, if God's esteeming one day over another, boy, I, I already messed up enough in life. I, I better start. I better start going to church at least on the right day. So I went to church on Saturday and Sunday for six solid months. Um, I had what what the Holy Spirit was impressing upon my heart about Sabbath. And then I had my family back at the other church and including my dad and, and, you know, I had all kinds of, all kinds of friends over there. Um, I was going to church over there too. And then I started just understanding the Sabbath and, and the Holy Spirit impressed upon my heart about this is my holy day. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I, I can't go to church on Sunday anymore. So I just quit. And um, I started going to church. And I haven't missed a Sabbath since. Huh. And that was that was 20 years ago. So I've uh, I've been going to church all that time at this point. So you start going uh, to church on Saturday. You're... Your daughter, she's born in 99, gets baptized around 2010 or 11. She, yeah. This is not that yep. long ago now that we're talking about. This is about 11, 11, 12 years ago. And so what, what happens, uh, what happens next? You have this, you didn't have a relationship. He was just kind of your Santa Claus for a while. Does it seem to be forming into a relationship now? Oh, for sure. I, 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 because I was trying to disprove the day, um, I had to figure out what God's character was, right? And, and 
starting to understand him, um, I just, I dove deep into Bible study. That, that's, that's all I could do. I was just like deep in the word. And you, you know, I did the, I did the thing where you read from cover to cover mm-hmm. just to read it like a book and, and got zero out of that. <laughs> right. And, and, and then I learned about line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, and, and understanding that, that things had to be meshed together correctly. And I began to understand him and I, and I just continued to, um, seek his face. You know, I've had a prayer for at least the last 15 years and it's God make your will my desire. Hmm. Whatever that is, whatever you want done, make that my desire so that I'm doing the right thing. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. So I, I just kept Bible studying it, Bible studying it and, uh, working. And my wife told me that she didn't care if I had to work at Taco Bell, that I couldn't go out of town anymore. So I started my own contracting business here in the, here in our hometown and, uh, was, doing church made church a lot easier. When when did you, and I don't know if this is, when did you and Julia get married? We got married in 2005. So in between you doing all the concrete and work at the house, you guys fall back in love and you get married in 2005. Um, How was that? How was that going? How was the marriage going? Um, the the marriage was rough. I get I guess, but bef- before we jump right there, I gotta back up. You know, my daughter's asking me to come to church on Saturday. Come to church on Saturday, and I'm working for my wife at the time. I said, "Well, I just gotta pour this concrete on Saturday because I'm out of town." And uh, my wife said, "I I wouldn't do it." And I was like, "God will understand." And uh, I had poured lots of concrete in my life, but it's the only concrete that ever cracked. Hmm. From do. From doing it on Sabbath, and I began to understand Sabbath at that point, and and I put in a a, a lawn system. Um, I I have degrees in ornamental horticulture, so so I can plant a lawn. I can put in a sprinkler system. The yard died, and I did it all on Sabbath. All the work, and that's one of the things that kind of turned me. Um, I thought God would understand that I was missing church to do something good for somebody, and. Uh, I don't know that that was a that was a crazy time in life. So anyway, I can fast forward now to 2005. Uh, we get married. Like I had mentioned, I had been in trouble. Uh-huh. Her ex-husband uh, had used the trouble that I had gotten into in my life to um, pull their daughter away. Uh-huh. And uh, it was a it was a big court battle. I mean lots of lots of court for years and uh we were just miserable but we loved each other i mean we were completely miserable both of us so you got to keep in mind that we had ours together we had hers and mine all coming together on the weekends in one house and you know me telling her daughter what to do or her telling my kids what to do um the the blended thing was really really tough, hmm. really tough. We just uh, we we were at odds with each other all the time. So 
we're we're going to church, going to church and and being the perfect little couple at church to just fighting like cats and dogs during the week. You know, that's kind of kind of what life was. And it was like that for a long time, too. It was really, really tough. And the only thing that we knew was that we loved each other. Did you have a plan to get out, like to figure it out? Or were you just like, what was your mindset towards her? But we we thought that um, we could read enough books mm-hmm. on blended families um, and that we could um, go to enough seminars and, and, and that we would like figure out this whole blended family thing, because that really was like the biggest source of contention was was kids, you know, that them being here in the house and uh all the way even to Christmas, you know, like Christmas would come and I'm like, Hey, she got more stuff than these two got, you know, it was like, it was always like a competition and, uh, it was crazy. I I mean, I, we just screwed our kids up. That's what happened. You know, it's like mentally, um, seeing all the fighting and stuff in the house was just, it was, it was crazy. And, and I didn't have the best language, you know, and especially in front of the kids. And I just like, they still till this, not till this day. Let's say about two years ago, I realized that God doesn't see me the way that I see myself. And I held that against me the way that I had acted towards the kids. I had held that against myself. And that was a, that was a tough, tough deal. So were the way you were thinking was like, if Julie just figures this thing out, like I know what I'm doing, or did you feel like you didn't even have an idea what you were doing? I felt like, I felt like I was doing all the right stuff Uh and that she was being too nitpicky about everything else. That's how I felt. And, and I'm like, Oh, just let that go by. I'll just let that go by. I, I wanted to fight my battles, but I didn't want to hear about hers. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, 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 I was just like, I was like, no, that's not important. Let's talk about this instead. Um, but there was no plan to get out there. There really was no plan to get out of it. We thought we could um, read ourselves to something better or as the kids got older, it was going to get easier or um, we, we thought many of things, but it was, that was definitely not easier because you know, when you get um, young teenagers at this point, all in one house, you know, between them fighting and who's right or wrong. And then you're fighting with your wife over who was right or wrong in their fight. Things just got complicated. I I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like, you don't even know where to start. And uh, Natalie and I were in a situation where our, our marriage was just an onion. You pull deck one layer. There's just another layer underneath it. That's the same. And there was no, we were not a pineapple. Like we were spiky on the outside and then there was goodness. We were just an onion and there was like, there was no way out. It was like, well, what, where do we even start? Like, what do we right. even tell a counselor? Like if we actually want to go to counseling, um, that sounds like kind of what your situation was. It was. And, and, and then we ended up in counseling. Um, we, we ended up in counseling and, uh, that was a, that was a tough thing to, um, 
to get the finger pointed at you like you need to start doing this you need to look at this you need to to you know start watching these actions and do all of these things and i'm like i'm working 12 days a week or 6 days a week 12 hours a day and i'm going to church all day on saturday it i i don't have time to do any of this stuff and then i don't know this is this is still isn't kind of right at this point but like i would hear the therapist like harp on her about you're doing this wrong you're doing this wrong and i'm just sitting back there going yes yes like it i see i was telling you that i was telling you that and uh looking back at it what a jack wagon i was i I just i don't know i can't even believe she stayed married to me at this point (laughs) with how i was man it, it was i know i had to have made life miserable i know i had to have made life miserable so what happens, man? You're you're on this path of you guys are in this hamster wheel and doesn't sound like the counselor gives you some good advice. You go back, you try it out. Some works, some doesn't. What what happens? Um well my my middle daughter and um my wife, which my middle daughter came from my first wife, um, they were they would be going tit for tat all the time. And, uh, I told my wife, I was like, just lay off, just let her do her thing. She's only here, you know, this many days a week. And, um, my wife couldn't, couldn't let go some of the things that were happening. And then, uh, we were riding in the car one day and my, my daughter said, um, some inappropriate language to my wife. And I just reached over and popped her on her mouth. Like, I mean, I didn't, make her bleed or anything and i just said hey you don't you don't do that you don't talk like that to her and uh that was the last day that she lived with us was was that day she went back to her mom's my wife didn't want her here i didn't want her here talking to my wife that way i i absolutely loved her and adored her i mean i would talk to her all the time after that but uh it was a that was a tough thing so that brought one kid out of the house from the first marriage and then we had a son also and he stuck it out here every single weekend until um until age 18 but in the midst of that um we had a court battle to keep him here against my first wife and uh he conjured up some lies and stuff about my wife and um i wasn't here with the lies that he was telling but I knew it was not my wife's character to do what he said, but I was, I was kind of standing sides with my son Uh going, maybe, maybe this did happen. You know what? I'm just going to stay out of it. So she goes to court because of this with, you know, CPS was involved and stuff. And mind you, my wife used to be a cop at this point and she had got hurt and she's retired and uh, she's, she's got, him saying negative stuff about her. Um, it just made the, the house dynamics really interesting at that point. It was a, it was a tough thing. He's still coming here and, uh, we're going to court and he's saying untruthful things. It was a, it was a tough, tough time, man. It was a tough time, but we, uh, we made it through with counseling. You know, that was the, it really what counseling really was beneficial. You know, I was praise a, the Lord. 
Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I, I don't know. I've always been the man's man. Like I, I don't need anybody's help. Nobody needs to, needs to tell me anything. If, if, if there's knowledge to be had, I'll go figure it out for myself. You know, I don't need somebody to tell me something. And, uh, anyway, we, we had a really good counselor, a really, really good counselor. And that's kind of what helped us get through that little hump, if you will. And, uh, but I was making her, my wife miserable the whole time, you know, miserable, miserable. And then, um, there was, there was some, some infidelity stuff that happened in, um, in our marriage. And, um, I, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, I was mind boggled. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, are you kidding me? And, and basically she had been lonely the whole time is, is what had happened. Um, I wasn't emotionally connecting, um, to her. And, uh, I was just like, I, I was just like, I can't believe you did this. Like she took off and, and was gone. And, uh, I was just like, God, how can you let this happen? Hmm. Like I have turned my life around and, uh, I I'm just thinking, man, I did all of this stuff. Like I've been through all of this. And, uh, one night. One night I was just reading in Isaiah chapter 14 and, and I realized that I have the same eye trouble that Satan had. You know, he, he says, I will extend my throne above the stars of heaven. I will do this. I will do this. And I'm thinking, I did this. I made all these commitments. I did all these things. I went to all these counseling appointments. I did all these things. And now here you are doing this. And I just dropped down on my knees and I was like, God, what do you want? Are we not supposed to be married? And at this point, she hasn't come back yet. So I called the elders of the church and I just said, listen, guys, I I just we need to get together and we just need to earnestly pray for my wife right now. And I couldn't tell him what was going on. Uh You know, at at this point, I was the head deacon of the church. And, um, my wife is a deaconess and I just, uh, I, I, I couldn't tell him. I I just said, we got to really pray for her. She's in a bad situation. And, uh, so we started praying for her and we prayed day one, we prayed day two, we prayed day three and, uh, day four, she came home and, uh, it was, uh, you got to go to counseling. You know, she's telling me that I have to go to counseling. And, uh, I was, I don't know, God just impressed upon my heart that if I was forgiven, then I should be able to forgive her. And, um, if she was willing to, to be with me. So we made it past that thing. And, uh, it, it's something that is, has never arised again. And, um, I still like, I forgave her. Man, this is really harsh. <laughs> I forgave her, but I wanted her to feel the pain that I went through. Uh-huh. I mean, it's dirty. But I ended up doing the same thing that she did. And, you know, it, it was it, and it was to like to get back at her. I mean, that's really. Did you what want her to know or were you trying to keep it a secret? And then if she did know, if she did find out, well, then 
now we're even. Now you know how it feels. It was it was one of I I I didn't want her to know. And I was seeking something else too. It wasn't just to despite her. I mean, I was I was lonely too and just got myself into a a bad situation for for a long time. I was headwise, man. I was just not right. And then this thing happens with somebody else. And uh I just came home and and told her. I was just like, check this out. This is what happened. And it's like five days before Christmas or two days before Christmas or something at that point. And uh I don't know. She 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 was really hurt. I mean, I don't even think she talked to me for like a week. You know, we did Christmas like nothing was wrong. And then uh she didn't even talk to me. So it was a uh, one of those things where next thing you know, she like reaches over and touches my hand, you know, and then it just like slowly progressed to where we started talking and we talked the whole thing out and I don't know, we made it through. Okay, by the grace of God only. I can tell you that much. Okay, I wanted to take a break right now to tell you about our Bible studies. And we have Bible studies. We have we have them almost every single day. So if you want to vibe with this community, you want to talk to people who have been walking this out, you have questions, you want to you want to see where in the Bible it says the stuff that we're talking about, then like I said, you have many opportunities. We got Monday night. We got Tuesday morning. We've got Wednesday morning. We got Wednesday night. We got we got so many Bible studies. So please, if you want info for this, please email steady at lovereality.org. So please, this is where life happens. This is where it's going down. Steady at lovereality.org. At this point, you're in the church. You're Looks like things are going okay from the outside, but on the inside, all this turmoil. What was God to you now? Like, how was he seeing, like, these mistakes that you'd been making and the selfishness? Or maybe you maybe you didn't even realize or understand how selfish you were actually being. Like, who was he and what was he thinking about you during this whole thing in your mind back then? Um, it was, it, for me, I always knew that where I was, so was he like all the time. And this, this event happens. And in my mind, in my mind, I'm thinking, he'll forgive me. He he forgives everybody for everything, you know, and maybe, maybe this could happen and then it'll be all over. And she felt what I felt and he's forgiven me and we're good to go. But in reality, at that point, when that happened, I was the head elder of the church and our pastor of 20 years said, Hey, I'm out. I'm leaving. And, uh, this is, this is just back in, 2017 Mm -hmm. he said hey i'm out i'm retiring somebody has to take over and uh 
all fingers from like 50 people are pointing at me. And I'm like, hey, it, I, I never went to seminary. I haven't done any of this stuff. And they're like, dude, you're the most spiritual person we know. You're the most well-read person we know. And you're a great leader. And, you know, I own a, I own a really big business here locally. And uh, I am a decent leader. I, I, I'm a decent leader. God has blessed me with those skills for sure. And they're telling me that I need to be the pastor. And uh, I was thinking, maybe if I did this one act with this girl, maybe that disqualifies me. Like, maybe I won't have to be the pastor. That was more motivation for all of that whacked out thinking that I was doing in the first place. So the event happens. My wife finds out about it. And and this is some extreme deception, man. Oh, dude. Dude, I'm telling you. It is it it Satan Satan was he was in every pocket of every piece of clothes that I had. <laughs> he was inside the the passenger seat of the car. He was on my phone. He was doing whatever it took to get me deceived that that was the way to make it out of a bad situation. And yeah. I think of Romans 6 and Romans 2, where the verse where Paul says, don't you understand it's the kindness of God that draws repentance? Meaning like the whole idea of, oh, he'll forgive me. While God has forgiven us and we stand pure and clean before him, the whole, oh, he'll forgive me idea is a satanic one. It's, it's let me go back into prison. Let me, uh, yeah, and, and this is the kind of thought that leads us down this path where he gives us up to ourselves and lets us do our own thing and, and live in the consequences of it. You know what I'm saying? If I could, if I could go back now to those points, to, to, to that point where um, I was wooing that person because I was looking for something else. If I could go back to that point and tell myself something, I would tell myself that the enemy is a liar. For sure. Like those things that he was putting in my head, that, that those were all lies. And if I could give myself any advice, it would be to test those thought processes that I had against scripture. I, 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 that's probably the biggest thing that I would tell myself. And I feel like, I feel like that could have steered me clear, but I didn't have anybody for direction. Well, nobody knew what I was doing, right? I mean, right. it was all all in secret, you know, for sure. It was all in secret. Yeah, that was a tough time. So what happened? So my wife and I, um, I guess I should, I guess I should back up. We, when we got back together after her thing, um, she wanted to have another baby. And my oldest daughter had already started having babies 
And I said, I said, Hey, we're, we're not doing that. Our oldest kids having kids weren't, that's not happening. And, uh, she goes, but you said we were going to have kids. I was like, yeah, you can, you can play with those grandbabies. You know, that'll be the, that'll be the way to do it. And, uh, she's like, no, I said, listen, I'm going to have a vasectomy. I was like, I don't rule you very often, but I'm the man of this house and I'm going to put my foot down and I'm going to say no to this one. And, uh, it was the very first time that I like went contrary to she wants something and I want something usually as the husband, you take into account whatever they want and you do what's best for all of you together and whatever's in the best interest of the the family and each person individually on this one. I was just like, no, I I'm not, I'm not doing it. So I scheduled myself a vasectomy and, uh, I told her that I was having a vasectomy on, on what day? And she goes, okay, well, I'm going with you. And I'm like, all right, well, if you want to go, that's fine. So we get into the office, you know, and they give you this pamphlet thing and it says, oh, one in 10,000 doesn't work and yada, 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 all this stuff. And, um, my wife's just like super quiet and she's sitting over there with the pamphlet in her hand. And, um, you know, I got my legs up in the stirrup <laughs> thing and the guy's doing yeah. his thing and, um, and he pulls out the, he pulls out the first little piece and, and he drops it into the thing. And then he pulls out the second one. And he goes, okay, you can no longer have kids. And, uh, I'm like, okay, cool. And little to my knowledge, my wife is just praying that I am that one in 10,000 that it, that doesn't work. And, uh, anyway, so like a year later, maybe a year and a half later, my son's nine at this point, but, uh, she comes up to me and, uh, or, or no, she was, she was on the ground hurting. And I told you that she, she got hurt being a cop and, and she had some, some neck injury. Um, I don't know if we already said that or yeah, not, you'd but mention that. anyway, so, so she's, she's in pain all the time. She's taking all this pain medicine and she had been doing this since 2004 is when she got hurt. And, and so it was always, you know, whenever she was whacked out about something, I was like, oh, it's just pain medicine. Oh, it's just pain medicine. Well, this particular day, she's like on the ground screaming and crying. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? You know, I get home from work and she's like, I got a headache so bad. And, you know, this burning pain. And I'm like, well, here, you, you can take up to like five of these Oxycontin a day. Take some of the, you know, take some of this stuff. And she's like, I can't take it. And I'm like, the heck do you mean you can't take it? And she's like, I can't take it. And I'm like, well, let's go to the doctor and we'll let them give you a shot. And she's like, I can't have any medicine. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? And she's all, I'm pregnant. And I was like, what? Oh, heck no, no. And I'm, I just like, I, I was mad. I, I walked out front and I'm just like, she needs to get out of my house. She needs to go away. Cause I thought infidelity, you know, huh. I, I mean, immediately that's Satan just like, poured all this stuff on me. And, uh, anyway, I, I come back in and, and we like start talking it out and stuff. And, um, she's like, it's yours. I've been faithful. And I'm like, I don't know. And then I went and talked to the, the pastor at our church and he's like, no, she says she's not doing anything. And I'm just like, yeah, but she's pregnant, you know, like it can't be from me. It, it you know, snip, snip. Yeah. I got two pieces in a jar. Yeah. And, uh, Anyway, so yeah, anyway, we ended up having, having a, uh, another baby, Levi. Um, 
who's nine now. So, but uh, was this before her infidelity and your infidelity? This was after hers and before mine. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, where are we? I guess we're to... uh, We're 2017. Well, that's a crazy story. Uh, And I'm glad you had to... You backtracked to tell us that. But now you're at... We're 2017. You're living in this deception. You don't want to be the pastor. um, And this thing happens between you and your wife. Uh, What what happens after this, man? (laughs) She... uh, She forgave me like truly forgave me but boy that time was tough it was it was really tough she she wanted to know every detail you know mm-hmm. she wanted to know you know how did you get to this point what happened it, and just like laid all that stuff on the line and uh we worked through that we really worked through that and uh we make it by that point i become the pastor of the church yeah. Wow. Dude, it's a deep, it's so deep because I was like fighting being the pastor. Matter of fact, when I did it, I even went and told the pastor. I was like, hey, this is what I did. So you're gonna have to stick around a little bit longer. And he's like, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, he's, he says, I'm out of here. And uh anyway, so the, the the church didn't the church didn't really know at this point and I didn't want to be the pastor and I, I like told everybody and um, there was this one guy at our church that just uh, he goes he goes you got to do it mm-hmm. and I was like I don't think so and uh, I said I'm not qualified to do it and he said uh, he said God doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called I'm like oh no <laughs> and I was like well I, I, I'm just not the right guy, you know, and he starts, he starts going, well, you know, Moses was a murderer and, um, you, you know, Noah's a drunk and like, he goes through all these things and I'm just like, oh my goodness. I was like, I drink a beer sometimes with my buddies and, and I chew tobacco and I'm just not your guy. And the pastor's leaving. And I don't have a choice. Right. And I'm just like praying earnestly at this point. I'm like, God, is this really what you want to do? Send somebody here. And uh, anyway, so I was like, you got to you got to show me something. And um, I, I know in other Bible studies that you've heard maybe about the the leaf and the tree. I don't know if you, you've heard those stories, how God like reveals himself to me sometimes in in crazy ways. And when I just ask to see his glory, but uh, I'm like, just reveal yourself. Tell me what you want to do. What you want, what you want to happen, make your will my desire. And uh I woke up and I usually get up, I usually get up about 4 30 in the morning to go to work. And uh I woke up and it's like 2 50. I walk out in the living room and I sit down in the chair and thinking, hopefully, maybe I can fall asleep right here. And my Bible's next to me. And I open my Bible and you I know we've all done it, right? You just grab it and just yeah, yeah, drop yeah. it. And, and whatever it is, you know, that's what God's got for you. That was my mentality. So I I opened it up and it was the story of Balaam and the donkey. And I read the thing and I'm like, okay, I, I read that story before, whatever. And I, and I fell back asleep here. 
And the second that I woke up to go to work, my alarm, I could hear my alarm going off in the room. Um, I stood up and kind of fell down to all fours. Like I had, I got up too quick or something. And God said, if I can use an ass, I can use you. Hmm. And I was just like, okay. And that morning I called the pastor. I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it until he sends somebody else. And, uh, you know, my wife and I were just talking last night and I was like, hey, am I in my second year or my third year of pastoring? She's like, you're in your fourth year. You're almost to your fifth. I'm like, whoa, boy, time goes by quick. So what were you preaching at first? What did you start preaching right when you. <laughs> I, I started preaching forgiveness. I started preaching forgiveness from sins. It, right off the bat, I told everybody, I said, I said, you will not hear, you will not have a Daniel seminar and you will not have a revelation seminar from me. We've all been through those. I was like, I'm only preaching New Testament stuff and only gospel stuff. And um, everybody's just like, yeah, you know, like they were just, they were stoked. And I said, and oh yeah, by the way, I don't have like these big elaborate messages I was like, whatever God's working on me that week and he pushes me to study, that's what you're getting. And if you don't like it, anybody's welcome to have their turn up here as many times as they want. And uh, I, so I started preaching the message and, and some of the messages were just mind-blowing, like mind-blowing to me. Um, keeping the main thing the main thing. That was one of my, one of my sermon titles. That was probably one of the best ones, but it, it, it didn't matter what it took. Reconciliation and forgiveness for sins was the main thing. And that's what we were supposed to be preaching about. And, uh, anyway, so, so that's what I've done ever since then is continue to, um, just preach gospel. That's it. And, and messages about who we are in Christ and, um, relationship, relationship, relationship. The most important thing is your relationship with him. So that's been the focus um, for me since I've been at the pulpit. So how did you come across this message of freedom from sin? That's a crazy story all by itself. Um, <laughs> so we are... Going to church on Saturday, we're not part of the Adventist church because for us, the the Adventist church, we love those guys across the street 100%. Our kids are going to school there, but we're not going there at this point. And uh, I uh, was looking into um, different schools for my wife's daughter. Um, she said she wanted to go to a Christian boarding school and she's like 16 at the time. And we, uh, there were some people at the church across the street that their daughters went to MBA and, uh, Monterey Bay Academy. So we looked into it and then decided, oh, we'll go down and check it out. So we go down and check, check it out. And, uh, my daughter or her daughter, um, said, dad, this is the place that I want to go to. And I was like, do you know how much it costs to go here? <laughs> and, and she's just like, she's like, yeah, but you, you can figure it out. And, uh, I was like, yeah, we can figure it out. I said, let's, 
if you really want to do this, let's go back and pray about it. So we did, we come back, we prayed about it and, uh, God led us financially. He, he, he gave us the money to make it happen. So it was pretty apparent that she was, uh, she was going to MBA. And I think one of the coolest stories about that is, um, she's there for like two months and she says, man, this guy came and talked and, uh, She's like, you know, growing up, you always told us about God and, you know, your God is good. Your God is great. All of these, all these different um, things about his character. And dad, I always thought about it as your God. And she's like, this weekend I met my God. Huh. And I was just like, whoa. And she's like, yeah, that guy's coming back. So we went a couple of weeks later, we went over and, and we watched this guy um, preach over there at MBA. And, uh, my daughter ended up staying there for two years and then she ended up going to PUC. Um, and, uh, anyway, since you went and you heard this guy preach, we did. My wife and I went and listened to this guy preach and, uh, it, it, and it was, and it was good. His message was just, I don't know. It, it, It was off the cuff. It felt like, like there, there was nothing rehearsed. I don't even feel, didn't even feel like he had a topic, but his message just like hit home what he had to say. And, uh, so my wife and I, we, we come back here and we're going to church and I preach his message, kind of what I could think of it. You know, I put something together and, uh, anyway, we're fast forward here a little bit. Cause you're asking about, um, how did I come into this message? Well, uh, in June of, of this year, 2022 or 2021. Um, in June, my wife and I are celebrating our 17 years of marriage, 16 years of marriage. And, um, we decide that we're going to go to, um, Oahu and we're going to go over to Hawaii and just chill out there for like 10 days. And, uh, we're not traveling on Saturday. So we're going to leave Sunday. First thing in the morning, we're bouncing. So I get to preach on Saturday before I leave. And uh, this girl comes in and uh, she she looks like she she's Samoan or something. You know, she, uh-huh. she's definitely Hawaiian some type. And uh, she comes in and she I, I'm preaching the message about who you are in Christ that day. And uh, she's just raising her hands. She's going, hallelujah, amen, you're right. And I've never seen this girl before. And uh, so she, she's saying all this stuff. And we get all done. And she's like, I'm definitely coming back next week. And I was like, well, I'm sorry to tell you that I'm going to Hawaii tomorrow morning. I was like, it, you know, this person's going to be doing the sermon. And she's like, well, what island are you going to? I said, I'm going to Oahu. And she's like, man, I, I got to give you this. So she writes this um piece of paper and she writes Jonathan Leonardo across the top mm-hmm. and his cell phone number. And um she's like, Texas dude, when you get there, this guy, this guy is going to be preaching at this service. Um, see if you can go. Now mind you, it's Sunday. So we get over to Hawaii. I I take the thing from her. She says, Man, you your message sounds just like this love reality tour thing that that I've been part of. And I'm like, okay, cool. And we bounce, we spend all week in Hawaii. Everything's great. And, uh, 
My wife says, what are we doing this Sabbath? You're going to just give us a message here and then we'll go play on the beach or something. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I was like, it, it, I'm not sure what we're going to do. I was like, I do have a pretty good message, you know, just checking out these waves and stuff. I want to tell you what I was thinking. And uh, my dad had called from the room next door because my dad came with us to babysit our youngest. Uh-huh. Right. And uh, he called and uh, he asked me for something I had in my wallet and I opened my wallet. And there's that thing that says Jonathan Leonardo on it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, let me text this dude and just see, you know, what, what this message is. And uh, it, so I start texting him and he texts me back and he's like, where did you get my phone number? And I was like, I don't know. This girl named Jess gave it to me. It was her first time. And he's like, okay. And, <laughs> and, cool. and, and, and he's like, okay. And, and, and he's like, well, what do you want? What are you looking for? I was like, I'm looking for an Adventist church to come and worship today. And he's like, well, this is the church that, uh, that is closest to you. And this is the one that we're going to be at. And he gets, shoots me this thing. And I look and the one that's closest to me is like, I don't know. 10 miles from Waikiki where we're staying. Uh-huh. And the other one's like 38 miles on the other side of the Island where they're going to be. And, uh, you know, I punched it in my GPS and I asked my wife, I'm like, what do you want to do? And she's like, you're the leader. You, you figure it out. Okay. I was like, let's just, let's go around the other side of the Island. Anyway, we got a full tank of gas. Let's just go check it out. And, uh, we had been there before to a Samoa, to a Samoan, um, Adventist church and they feed you really, really good, <laughs> really good. So I was down for that, you know, to, to get to the other side of the Island anyway. So we get over there and, uh, we walk in and it's, it's typical Hawaii, right? Everybody's got Hawaiian shirts on, they got shorts and, um, it, I'm just like down for that. When I get there, everybody's just like chill, you know, it, it, it was, I don't know. They, they were welcoming. Um, we go in there. And uh, we sit down and, and we're listening. And um, next thing you know, this this guy stands up and he's given the message today. And I was like, tap my wife. I was like, dude, do, you, do we know that guy? And she's like, I know that bald head from somewhere. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, I can't place it. And she's like, oh, he spoke at NBA. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the dude. And I was like, hold on. That's Dean Lauren's brother. Uh-huh. which Lauren was my daughter's dean, right? right? And uh, over at NBA. So I, I'm like, dude, that's crazy. So we listen to the message. It's super good. And uh, we chill out outside for a little bit. And we're talking to Morgan. Um, and we, it, mind you, we know nothing about love reality tour at this point, right? Yeah. Zero. And uh, we go up and we talk to Tyler and explain to him who we were and stuff. And He's like, oh, yeah, it's so great. But, you know, there's 100 people in line to talk to him. So I'm just like, all right, well, it's nice meeting you. Have a good one. So I bounce. We bounce out of there and uh, talk to Morgan for like another 15, 20 minutes. And she's like, oh, you ought to check out the LRT stuff. And I was like, OK, cool. So um, we we leave, come back to California, and uh, I'm instantly in the LRT stuff, just like searching, trying to find things. And I find the PVC deal up there, which, you know, Jonathan has done this message so many times, but I think that one that happens up there at PVC, he has a lot of zeal in it. 
compared to the ones that I just watched recently. And I'm just like, dude, you got to be kidding me. So I listened to all the first 11 and then I listened to Ransom and Renewed all the way through. And I'm not saying nothing to anybody at my church, right? Not one, one thing to anybody, not even my wife. And uh, I'm like prancing around the house, like, you know, I'm free from sin. Like, how do I tell my wife that I am not a sinner? And so it was hitting immediately. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It it was when I read the scriptures for myself, I mean, the, the words were doing the hula on the page. Like they literally were alive. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. And I wrote down every single scripture in the new Testament, wrote every single one down that said something about freedom from sin or who we were in Christ. I went, I went all the way from Matthew all the way to Revelation. I was just, I was in it and I was just writing and writing and writing and writing. And I created this big old list with like, I don't know, 190 scriptures or something. Right. And I'm just like, so jazzed about it. And one day I walked over to my wife and I was like, you got to watch something. And she's like, what's that? I was like, I, I'm not a sinner anymore. And she's like, what? And I was like, no, like I am, I am free from sin 100%. And she's like, huh? Okay. I was like, dude, check out Romans six. Let's just read this for a second. All right. Check out Romans seven. Now look at, there's no condemnation in Romans eight, one. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I was like, we're living in the spirit. We're not in the flesh. Like I just, I start showing her and then we watch this thing and she's just like, keeps staring at me from the chair that's right next to me going, whoa, whoa. And, and the crazy part still till this day, till right now, this second is no matter which worship song I listen to or which scriptures I read, they mean something completely different than what I understood in the first place. I thought Paul was whack. I I really did. I thought Paul was whack. Why do I keep doing the things I want to do, even though I don't want to do these things? And I'm just like, dude, you're just like me. It's all good. You know, we're all we're all in the same boat. When in reality, the message was something completely different, you know? So so for me, I'm just like mind boggled. And so it was June, July, August. On August, I got on my first one of these uh, Bible studies that we've been doing at night. And I got on there and I just... I didn't even put my name. I I put uh, hi or something like that. And I'm just jumping in and I'm just listening to you guys. Which one and, was and, it? Was it, uh, do you know which night it was? Or? I think it was the, I think it was a Wednesday night one, a, a Wednesday night one. And, and the crazy part was the first two times there was like no topic, right? There, there was no topic. People were just testimonies. That's all it was, was a hundred percent testimonies. And I'm just like relating to people and, and like beginning to understand what's going on. I think I have the timeline right there when I started watching. But anyway, um, and in my in my phone, I even I even wrote um six six twenty-seven twenty-one free from sin. Like I was just it, it, that was my freedom date. Like I got my date, it's in my phone under my profile, my freedom date. Like it it really meant something to me that, that I no longer need to, um, live as something that I used to be like that old man is literally dead and gone. Now I have to tell you, I was getting, I was getting fed, right? 
the the word was feeding me and the the um the videos that I was watching was feeding me they they were spiritually nourishing my body i i i think physically mentally and and spiritually all three like physically i felt better like i i really did feel better and uh but i wasn't sharing it with anybody like this this is mine the those guys can have whatever i give them but this this for right now is just for me and i i i know it was like a selfish thing but first off i was trying to make sure that you guys weren't some cult thing right <laughs> i mean that, that's important and um, and I, I, and making sure making sure that you didn't have some some message that um messed with the the belief system that i've read from the word and um i i was like testing those things because i'm not going to give them to the people at my church if you guys are somebody way out there right for sure and uh everybody started noticing everybody started noticing they're like what is so different about you and uh that's when i shared with my wife and she's like how much longer are you going to keep this a secret and i was like what do you mean and she's like when are we going to show this at church i was like well i don't know what do you think and she goes she goes i think we should do it so i talked to the i talked to the people at church and i was like i'm going to blow your guys's mind here <laughs> I was like, you guys, you guys are going to be completely mind blown by this whole thing. I said, but well, we're going to watch a video series. And, you know, as a pastor, a you don't get fear. You don't you don't get spiritually nourished from a different source besides just reading your word or watching something online. I mean, that's that's the extent of what you get. You don't get to listen to somebody at the pulpit every week, share a message that you can go dive into. So I was really needing something. And and I was telling God, I was like, dude, I, I am so ready for something else. And then this message comes and I get to watch it from a seat in the pew and like see people's faces, seeing people just turn around and smile, seeing people just start bawling and crying when they realize that they are always son or always daughter, um, understanding the, the prodigal son and just who we are in Christ. It, it was like, it was such a great thing. So I got literally like 21 weeks off of the pulpit. And we watched that as a sermon time every single week. And we would, at nighttime, we would go watch it again as a group and talk about it. Because you know, Richard, just as well as I do, that Jonathan is moving through those things. I mean, he touches on so many deep things so fast that if you just slow down, you can take one of those videos and probably break it up into like 10 or 12 different sermons if you wanted to. I, I mean, there's there's so much information that he gives there. So that's what we did every single night. We we would every single Sabbath night, we would do a nighttime study and we would go through and check the scriptures, what he was talking about. We'd read what came before it, what came after it understand who was being talked to and once we did that we're like this dude's for real like this message is correct and we have some people that that didn't come back to church when they heard it right we we had one of our deaconesses go you guys are trying to say that that we are free from sins and 
Like we no longer need to ask for forgiveness. I was like, dude, I didn't say that. This is the scriptures right here. You read it for yourself. So she's, she's gone. She, she never came back at this point. And, uh, I, I, it sounds like that's the message that happens in a few Adventist churches at this point, but, uh, understanding, understanding freedom from sin has just been one of those things that's, I don't know. It's, it's out there. (laughs) And it feels like you said June, July, you're starting to receive this thing and you start showing up to our stuff, like our Bible studies. I feel like you've been here the whole time. I, I don't even know. I can't remember when you were not there. Um, and I think we, we often talk in the background like, oh, like this is the guy or Tyler would be like, oh, yeah, I, I met this guy. And da, 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 and, and and sometimes I don't catch on very quickly. I don't, I don't catch on very quickly. Um, like Eddie will say, oh, you've got to hear this story of this person. And for me, like usually that's in one ear and out the other ear because like I'm I'm always doing this this kind of thing and so um and then oh then oh that's that guy oh and then we're starting to see people coming from your church and just the spirit is alive in these people and amen the message has found a landing spot and then you're getting on there and you're just testifying and you're just testifying and I don't know anything about you. I'm just like, oh, this guy's a pastor. And um, it just seems like you've received God's love in a way that you hadn't before. It's just been different. Amen. Amen. And so seeing that and hearing that um, has just been a huge encouragement and blessing to us. Uh, I'm wondering if you could tell that story that you told about your time in Florida when you were standing in line, like what this thing has been doing, just like it's not slowing down. It may be changing a little bit, but it's it's not slowing down. Amen. Amen. It, it I got it. I will get to that story, but I got to tell you about that, that girl that came into our church. Oh, tell me, man. It, the, the girl that came into our church that gave me that thing with Jonathan Leonardo's cell phone number on it. Um, I asked Jonathan, Hey, do you, do you know Jess? And he's like, ah, I don't know. And, and then I asked Tyler, ah, I don't know. You know, like it, it was, I was just saying Jess. And then we get on Bible study and I was like, Hey, does anybody know Jess? And nobody knows her. Right. And, and literally for like three months, I never seen her on the, the Bible studies or anything. And, uh, so we're sitting there talking in, in, um, Bible study at night at church. And, uh, I was like, guys, I really think she might've been an angel. Like, I, I really think that God just like brought her here and she gave me that piece of paper and nobody knows who she is in the Bible studies that I'm part of. And, and that was like the hook right there. They're like, what Bible studies are you talking about? You know, <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, okay, I'm going to share with you this phone number. I want you to, to send hashtag Bible study to it. And uh, the next day I see Jess on the thing and she had turned on her camera for a minute. And I'm just like, I started crying. I had to shut my camera off. I was just like, she is an angel, but she's like a person walking this earth. You know, like I, I was just so 
mind boggled. So then I told that story about how this angel had come into our church and all this stuff. And she realizes it's her as I'm speaking and she starts crying. And, uh, it was an incredible thing. Incredible thing. But where does Jess anyway. live? Who is she? <laughs> Jess, Jess has been part of LRT for years, I guess. And she knows Jonathan. She lived in Hawaii. She hung out with him, but I don't know if he knew her as Jess or Jessica or whatever. But when I had first asked, he, he said, I don't know, you know, and it was, it was like quick. And, uh, anyway, it, she, uh, moved from Oahu to Redding, California, which is like 30 minutes north of us. And the Holy Spirit, she said she was just driving, looking for a church. She came down and found the Adventist church, which we are directly across the street from. And she just decided to come in. And uh, since then, she's been back during Christmas and stuff. She came over um, and listened to me preach over there. But that was a that was one of the coolest things that's ever happened. Like I was praying, God, I need something. You know, it, it, this vacation is finally going to be great. I've been at the pulpit every single weekend and I, I need some kind of a break. And then I get this and then I get all these weeks off of, of preaching and, and I'm being spiritually fed and this message is alive. And it's like physically making me different. Like, I, I'm I'm chipper to get up and I'm happy to exercise and I'm like just I don't know everything is just so great and it was all because it's like one angel walked in because I prayed for it like I don't know it was it was a mind-boggling thing but since then since then um I have been on fire to tell people about freedom from sin because you know I was always stuck somewhere between sinner and saint you know it was it was one of those things where um, I'm a sinner and I've done bad things today. And then I, you know, ask God for forgiveness and I'm consistently meditating on his word. I'm talking to him all day. And I would say, Lord, forgive me for, you know, talking bad about that person or, or poking fun at that person. And then I'm, I'm free again. Right. I have forgiveness. And then I would fall and then back and forth and back and forth. It was like, it's a horrible cycle to be into. Like, to just think about that at this point, it's breaks my heart for people who don't understand freedom. And so I've made it a point that I'm going to talk to people no matter where I am and what I'm doing. And um, we go to Disneyland or Disney World in Florida to uh, a wedding and two funerals that had to happen here just a few weeks ago. And uh, we're in the line at uh Epcot Center for Ratatouille and we're waiting in line and the line breaks down or the the, the ride breaks, ride breaks down, down. Yeah. and I'm sitting there talking to this guy and I was like well by the grace of God we're not on that ride I was like they, you know thanks be to him for for keeping us in here in this air-conditioned place because it was hot outside yeah. and humid right and and we're in like the air conditioning and uh, I had mentioned that I was a pastor and my wife's talking to his wife and there's probably anywhere between 40 and 60 people around us in lines that go back and forth and back and forth. And uh, I had made mention that I was a pastor to the guy and he goes, well, I'm a pastor too. And I was like, really? And he's like, what's your like biggest epiphany? And I was like, oh, oh you messed no. up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 
so I start I start just laying it down. You know, I pull my phone out, got got Bible Gateway, and I'm just like, "What do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this?" And then next thing you know, people that are around us are asking us questions. You know, and and I was I had apologized to a group of people. I was like, I was like. Hey guys, I, I'm sorry if you don't want to hear this. I was like, but this is the, this is the good good news, and you need to know what it is. And everybody's like, yeah, no problem, you know. And like everybody around was just, I don't know. They they were all leaning forward and and listening. People were like literally pushed up against the chains, like uh, listening to what I had to say. And uh, I never think of myself as. I never think of myself as a great speaker. Like I, I never have positioned myself like, oh, I'm a really good speaker. I always get my message across. But this was like Holy Spirit stuff. And my wife is just writing our phone number and LRT, Love Reality, all this stuff on these little pieces of paper. And she's just handing them out. She's, people are like, hey, I want one of those. Hey, I want one of those. You know, like she, she's just handing these things out. And I'm just like, this is so incredible. And we were stuck there for an hour and 45 minutes. And I'm like, dude, you are free from sin. Your old self is completely dead. And my wife looks over at me and she goes, do you know what she does for a living? And I said, no, this is the pastor's wife. She's now a coroner. I, is that, I think she's just a coroner at this point or something like that. And she like just got her license. And my wife's like, she understands being dead. <laughs> You know, and it's like, I don't know. It was, it was incredible. And, uh, anyway, so it, since then I I've had the guy reach out to me and we're in a little bit of correspondence just this last week actually was the first time that he reached out to me. But, uh, and I don't know how many other people I've maybe joined or, or what at this point, but, uh, I know one thing we are just planting seeds everywhere that we go. Um, it, and it's the same at work. You know, I, I, I own a business. I work for like Smuckers, Pillsbury, Frito-Lay, Del Monte, Pepsi-Cola, Bimbo Bakeries, you name it. And whenever I get to these places, I'm just like, yeah, I, I know you shut down on the weekends, but I can't work on Sabbath. And I happen to be a pastor. So um, that Saturdays just don't work. And I end up with like four or five people at least once or twice a week that are supposed to be working, but I'm preaching during the week to these people and it's the managers and the owners of the company um, coming up to listen to the message that I have. And uh, it's just an incredible, incredible thing. I, I, it, it's not mine and, and I'm not boasting that it's my message. It's his message, but the, the zeal and excitement has changed my countenance to where people look at me, they say there's something different. That was last week. I just had a guy walk up to me. I've known for like six years. And he's like, grabs me by my shoulders. And he goes, Mike, what is so different about you? And I was like, dude, Jesus happened. That's what happened. I was like, that is exactly what happened. I said, I am free from sin. And uh, then next thing you know, there's like four or five more people. And it's just, I don't know. God is good, man. God is good. So, yeah, man, this, this stuff is crazy. And I'm thinking, you know, we usually wrap up. I ask you about your old self. And we've heard a lot. You know, the first half of this thing was talking about 
you know, old Mike and the marriage and all this stuff, as you're looking through this lens of the gospel to that story that you just told me about, I mean, you guys couldn't get out of your own way. What is it? What does it look like now as you're seeing it through this lens of this thing that has happened in your life? What does the old life look like? Yeah. I think, uh, I think there was a lot of, um, a lot of deception from the enemy. I, I, it, it, I can see where he played a role in a lot of things. Um, and there was, there was hatred and malice and, um, just ill feelings towards one another. And, and looking back, looking back at it, it was just a horrible person. I was a horrible person there in those things. And the best part is it does not define who I am today. Mercy. Who I am today is son and I am free. You know, my wife texted me this morning and she said, uh, hey, how free are you? And I said, what? And she said, how free are you? I said, how alive are you? And she it, and, and I it, and she goes, I, I'm alive or, or something to that effect. And and I go, you're either dead or you're alive. And I said, I am alive in Christ. I live in the spirit every single day. I am free from sin and I am 100% free of my old self. I said, I am a new creature, new creature in Christ. I am a new creation. I am holy. I am righteous. I am redeemed. I'm blameless. I'm upright. I'm just, I'm pure. Oh yeah. And I'm an heir to the throne and I am son. And uh, she goes, just checking, you know, <laughs> just checking. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. And, and now, you know, the, the, where we sit now, right now, today, um, this is the best. This is better than what I could have ever hoped for in marriage. Like I, I, I had a, I, I had a dream of what marriage looked like. I had a, like a thought process of what a good marriage looked like. What I am right now as a husband servant to my wife free from sin and don't let the past affect me and who she is in Christ princess. She'll give you that. She'll give you that whole princess talk when you have a chance to interview her. But, uh, it is, it is better than we could have ever imagined was possible. And it's not because of what either one of us has done in and of ourselves. It's because we believe what the word tells us. Man alive, man. You don't think that you could live this way. People don't know that you can live this way. Nope. They think that one day, maybe, if we get through the onion and we listen to the advice of whoever, then maybe it'll be okay. They don't, they yep. don't see transformation and resurrection. Like you were resurrected with Christ. Amen. And 
you live with him and it's he is alive in you brother and your life is a testimony that he's love and it's such an encouragement to me man so i just want to thank you for your faithfulness to his faithfulness you're believing that what he said he did and only by him and so now brother i don't know how else to say this you're a blessing to me and um i'm glad you're in my life so thank you so much brother the feeling is definitely mutual you know the biggest the biggest thing about the new testament is not about sin man it's about belief and uh it has just boggled my mind. It, I don't know. I just see people different. You know, I, I shared with you about my guy, the, yeah. the, the whole my guy thing from Braden and, and you had, you had been saying it. And I just see every person now as my guy. That's the person that God put in my life right that second. And, uh, I, I don't know. Life can't get any better at this point. It's just going to be more of the same, brother. More of the Amen. same, more more transformation, more people receiving this message. And uh, when Jesus said he was going to make you a fisher of men, he wasn't playing. You are a fisher of men. Uh, whether that's in the Epcot line, whether that's at the at the job site, whether it's at church, uh, anywhere and everywhere, man. So, no, thank you uh, for sharing your story. And, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to more. Amen. Got me singing like glory, yeah. It got me telling my story. Know that your love is pouring on me. Uh, and love is pouring on me. River flowing in and never ends. More to life, more to me, more than just pretend. Uh, you can feel freedom from within. Free to fly, be the child that you always been, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. We would love it if you could share this so that people could hear uh, more of these stories. And a way you can do that is to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a high rating. If, if you give us less than a five star, I'm inclined to believe that you're not really rocking with us. So give us a five star rating and, and throw a comment in there. If you're going to talk about us on social media, go ahead and use the hashtag death to life and let's get that hashtag going. This podcast is a production of Love Reality. And if you want more information about Love Reality, go ahead and check us out at lovereality.org. This show's produced by Tyler Morrison and Katie Prusha. The sound and editing is done by Addison Collingsworth and Eddie Cornejo. And then the Johnny on the spot is Annabelle Harper. And the artwork is done by Felix Gassman. Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Mm-hmm.